Welcome to Community Sense, where Carly and Mark talk with the world's best community leaders to get inspired and to learn the strategies for building a thriving community. So before we dive into everything with Chris Anderson today, we are so excited to chat with him. But first, we want to talk about some common sense. And some common sense with Carly Mark is a segment where we talk about things within community that are on our minds, right? Things that we feel that we have, we want to learn from each other on, or we have a perception on that might be of interest to our community listeners out there. So This week, we want to talk about measuring community and what that means. And I think a lot of folks within the B2B tech space, we're all gold off of data. Our leadership teams are pushing us to measure as much as we possibly can. And while that is a great goal to have with your community, one of the things I've been thinking about is the idea that not everything within community has to be measured, especially when you're in the early days of building your community. And that, yeah, data, you can tell interesting stories with data, but I think that the more powerful measurements that you'll get in the, especially in the early stages of your community are the anecdotal stories or the qualitative pieces of data that you can hear directly from your members of your community. And we experience this at Pavilion all the time where we're able to jump into Slack or into an email conversation and see how people are adding value to one another. And we always ask for feedback from our members of how has Pavilion impacted you? What are we doing well? What aren't we doing well? And those stories of success or those stories of us missing the mark on something are the foundation for where we decide to invest our time and our energy in improving our community. And yes, data is important, but those stories and those firsthand accounts of what's working and what's not is how we've gotten to the point that we're at today. And something I would just recommend everyone does as they're starting their community is to make the time every single week to come together as a community team to talk about those stories, right? To share the successes together and share the opportunities for growth and for investment in the future. So that's something that I think, you know, it's easy to get lost in the data, but I think those stories and that anecdotal feedback is incredibly important. Yeah, my common sense take, Carly, is just like, start with what are you trying to measure and why, to your point. It's good to have metrics. And with communities, especially, there's leading metrics that you can measure. There's lagging metrics that happen because of most of the time because of engagement that happens within a community. But like at the beginning of this whole journey, I really think it's about like, how do you define community at your business? Like if you don't have a good Mm -hmm. sense of that, then how do you have a good sense of what you're going to actually measure and why? We talked to Chris a little bit about this, where his sense of community right now is really focused on more of the customer aspect of enabling, empowering customers to connect with one another, to learn from one another, create user-generated content, if you will, through the, his community. He gets into that a lot during the conversation. And then you, know, you can, to your point, you know, ask people through sentiment surveys, through just you know, one-off conversations that don't necessarily scale, but can give you a lot of insight. How are people feeling and what is the value they're getting from the community? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to your point on 
that scalability. That's something Chris mentioned is community isn't necessarily scalable in the beginning and that's okay. Like embrace the fact that you have to go in and have one-to-one conversations every single day that you have to pick up the phone and call a member to help them solve a problem. Like maybe that isn't scalable right now, but that's how we're going to learn and how we're going to understand our impact. And then ultimately be able to get to the point where we can read those leading indicators and those engagement metrics and create some sort of story and game plan against it. Yeah. And I'll give you an example. Like The way we define community at Drift is definitely more broad than the way that probably most people define it. So some of like the engagement metrics we look at as part of our community are things like podcast listens and downloads, Mm -hmm. email subscription. We believe those are actually fundamental community engagement metrics that then help us better understand how many people are engaging with the Drift brand. And we believe community is such a pillar to the brand and to growing the brand that that's why we track those podcasts, listens and downloads and email and newsletter subscribers as part of our community set of metrics. So it goes back to like, how do you define it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think you brought up a really good point there, which is community to people like Chris is a community of your customers. But at Drift, it sounds like community is everyone who engages with Drift in some sort of way. You're not segmenting it down to a certain, to your customers or to your prospects. It's like anyone who's interested in learning about what Drift does, like they're a part of our community. And I'm sure that that having those more broad kind of definitions of community enables a lot more growth down the line. Shall we give a listen to all of the great knowledge that Chris shared with us, Carly? Do you think it's time? I think we should. Yeah, let's get into it. All right. Enjoy it, folks. So Chris Anderson is the Senior Director of Lifecycle Engagement and Retention at Guru, and he oversees the Community Learning and Love team, which I personally, I'm just such a fan of that team definition. And I think it you'll hear throughout the interview how that definition really is kind of foundational and really integrated into everything that Chris and his team does. But before we dive into that, a little bit about Guru. So Guru is the collaborative knowledge management solution behind the next generation of knowledge workers. They have some incredible companies like Shopify, Square, Spotify, Zoom, and they're really helping teams create, find, and share institutional knowledge to create knowledge-driven cultures. And we're actually at Pavilion, we're customers of Guru, and we use Guru internally for our HQ team, but our members are also in Guru every single day leveraging what we've been able to build and and the knowledge we're able to host within Guru. So huge fans of Guru and what they've been able to do. And it was so special to get to hear from Chris on how he's been able to support the growth of Guru, but really support his customers and add value to his customers through through their community team and, and their community initiatives. Great. Well, we're so excited to welcome Chris Anderson to Community Sense today. Thanks so much for joining us, Chris. Absolutely. I'm honored. Thanks so much for welcoming me. Of course. Well, we are really excited to dive into your experience within community, especially at your current company, Guru. So before we kick things off and really start to dive into the meat of our Community Sense conversation it would be really helpful to learn a little bit more about Guru and your business there. So would love to hear from your perspective, 
who is Guru, right? Why does Guru exist? Who are you serving or who are your customers? And what are you ultimately selling there? Absolutely. Thanks for asking. So Guru is a company wiki that sits right in your workflow, really with the philosophy of how do we make the knowledge that you need to do your job day in and day out, right available at your fingertips whenever you need it. So we all, no matter what our role is, rely on lots of information, lots of knowledge, and it's always changing at our companies. And we try to make that really, really quick and easy to access, whether you're working in Slack or you're on whatever web page in your browser, LinkedIn, Gmail, et cetera. So you can just click access guru, get that answer and get back to your work. So in terms of who we serve, we work with all sizes of companies from small startups all the way through large enterprise companies. We're fortunate to work with companies like Slack and Shopify and Spotify and Square and a handful of other amazing SaaS companies and really power their internal knowledge. Love that. You know what that sounds like to me, Chris? The company at its core is like community-based. Absolutely. Yeah. I think community is a huge part of it. And it's interesting because one of the things when I joined the company almost four years ago, one of the things I was charged with early on was like, hey, we've seen a lot of interest from our customers to like get together to share spaces together through events or whatever. And it was like, hey, let's try doing a conference. And I helped organize our first conference. And it was just magical to see that energy of, of one customer kind of meeting another customer and saying, hey, what are you working on? Oh my gosh, we have similar challenges that we're working through. Let's share notes, et cetera. And yeah, early on, since again, when I joined the company, I was really excited to see that organic interest from our customers of, I want to learn how other people are trying to solve this problem. This is such a common problem that we're all trying to tackle in different ways. How do we like share notes and collaborate? So I think community is a big part of what we're doing. And we want to get into that next topic around how do you define community sure. at the organization, but just pulling this thread quickly, your product, in my you know, opinion and point of view is, is like a community centric product because your product is helping people share knowledge and collaborate together, right? Which is at the essence of, of a lot of what communities are trying to do. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad you made that distinction because when you look at a company, a company is a community of of people, right? It's a bunch of people trying to get towards a mission, trying to grow a company. And in order to do that well, there has to be a lot of knowledge sharing, right? You can't work in silos if you're serving customers as a customer success manager or you're a sales rep or your support, no matter what your role is in the company, you always rely on information from other folks on the team. And again, that's always changing. So to your point, Mark, I think it's, yeah, what we try to do is facilitate that knowledge sharing and make it really easy, not only to, and again, it's not static, it's, hey, I got this insight from this call and I learned this new piece of feedback from our customers. How do I log that? How do I make that accessible for everyone? Because I think a lot of times our default is this like tribal knowledge or I'm going to write it in my notepad and it's going to sit there and only I have access to it. And we're trying to really democratize that and make it accessible, make it easy to allow for that knowledge sharing, but make it manageable too. Because one of the challenges you have is, oh my gosh, is this up to date? Is this reliable? So that's another thing we really try to work on. But yeah, I think that collaborative knowledge sharing is a really core part of, of what we're doing. We're going to unpack that more because Carly, you were mentioning Pavilion uses Guru as a product, which is a community first business. So we got to unpack that at some point. <laughs> yes, we definitely do. There's there's a lot there. And I think to your point, Chris, just hearing about, so the theme of our first season is community is collaborative, right? And I think exactly what you just explained is collaboration at its finest, right? To have different teams that perhaps aren't as well connected as sales and marketing, right? Think of maybe sales and engineering or sales and product or 
brand and product. And while yes, like we always want to work as closely together as possible, it sounds like something like Guru enables different functions to learn from one another, support one another, and improve together ultimately through that collaborative community-based product. Absolutely. And I think increasingly we're all in different ways adapting to some form of asynchronous collaboration, right? It's not always that, but you know, a lot of us are working from home or we're in a hybrid situation, which necessitates us to, I think, be efficient in documenting what we're learning and how we're sharing that. And I think that's another important thread to be aware of is just like, again, how do you do that efficiently? Because it's easy for that to go off the rails where it just Slack becomes this dumping ground of information being shared, which is extremely valuable. But then how do you kind of curate that into something reliable that folks can actually use and apply in their day-to-day work? Mm, making sense of messiness of communities, if you will. That's great. Like the messiness of the community knowledge that's shared amongst all of its members. That's that's such an interesting, interesting way to look at it. So let's let's get into then how do you define community for guru? Sure. Yeah, I think at guru, the way I would define community is creating spaces for our team and our customers to connect with one another. If I had to prioritize that as like getting customers to connect with one another around how do they better manage all of that internal knowledge? And a lot of that does dovetail into like, how do they best utilize Guru as well as how do they help grow their careers? Those are, is how I would define community at our current state that manifests itself in our online community. We also do a digital event series once a month. Prior to the pandemic, we were, as I mentioned, doing a conference and we were doing a lot of regional groups and kind of piloting a user group program. The online community and again, our our kind of monthly webinar series, that's the core of our community currently and how we actually do what I just said. But we're always looking at, okay, what are different ways that we can create those spaces that are going to work for our community and help them achieve that mission that they're looking for in terms of, again, furthering their, their knowledge and sharing all that, all the great insights that they have. Yeah, I love what you said there that your goal is to get customers to connect with one another, to support each other, grow their careers. I think it's so unique. You're a B2B SaaS business, right? But within your community, it's not just about teaching your customers about the product. You're really there to help facilitate deeper connections to help people grow their careers. It just goes so much further than we're here to educate people about what Guru does and improve adoption. And while I'm sure those metrics are important and you want to track those, it sounds like at the core of it, you're there to support your customers, your community in a much bigger way, in a more holistic way. Absolutely. And I think one of the things I come back to is this idea that like we don't have all the answers. I don't think most companies have all the answers. Sure, you have an amazing body of expertise through your team, but imagine if you could multiply that by 10 or 100 or 1,000 because if you have customers that actually use your product actively and they have a high frequency and they're really passionate about whatever problem you're solving, that is such a multiplier of that amount of expertise and inspiration and insight that can help the whole community of customers. So it's like, how do you best tap into that? That's for me is what I'm, what really like gets me going about the value of community is it's such a multiplier because to your point, Carly, it's not just about like the, the how to exactly how to use this feature, but it's, Hey, what does that look like in this type of company solving for this particular type of use case, right? Which is a very nuanced question that only certain people can answer and shed light on. And that's where you can like really tap into that inspiration of, Oh my gosh, There's like those people that are solving that exact same thing 
now that's clicking for me. Now I'm thinking about how to modify my strategy of rolling out this knowledge program to our whole team or a whole company, et cetera. But again, we can't do all of that internally with our own team. So that's where the community has so much value. Mm-hmm. How do you decide who is going to help you with that mission and that strategy that you just described? I think in terms of the strategy early on, we had some assumptions or hypotheses around what this could look like, what the value balance would look like in terms of what would be valuable for the community. Cause obviously you have to have that value for them, for folks to like show up and engage and balancing out with where's the business impact and what's the value for the company. But I really wanted to vet that out. I didn't want to like charge full speed ahead under assumptions. So what we did early on was actually worked with our CS team to say, Hey, Let's help identify who are our most engaged customers, who are the folks that even prior to having formal programs would be right there to show up to an event that we spun up or would be right there to give feedback if asked in terms of like an early access program. There were the folks who were just like, they're here for it. There are early adopters. They're really, really passionate. So we got on, we identified about 30 people. This was going back about two years and we got on calls with all of them. And we just had a series of questions that we ran through to understand, hey, what is kind of that unmet need? Where would you see value in connecting with other guru customers and really keeping an open mind to what that might look like, trying not to steer that in one direction or another. And one of the themes that came out from that was, luckily, it wasn't surprising. Everyone said, hey, I want to learn how other people are doing this. I want to learn how other people are solving for X, Y, and Z problems. How are other people using guru? Because if I can learn more of that, that'll help me in my position to get more value out of this thing that's a core part of my role, which will help me grow, et cetera. So that learning for us was like, okay, great. We're getting some really clear signal from at least that early group that I think we can take and very easily align to a business outcome. For us, that's like translates very well to, okay, increased product usage. If we can do that really well, and that's valuable for the community, that should translate into increased product usage, which we have a high degree of confidence that that's going to result in higher retention, higher expansion rates, et cetera, which is going to help the business grow. So we kind of, through that discovery process, landed on that early strategy for the community. And then we started to just roll it out slowly and organically to test it out and to start to grow it. And then in terms of who kind of helped shape that, I mentioned those initial 30 folks, because I think those were the most integral people that really helped there. But then I was fortunate to be able to present that to our leadership team and really get some easy buy-in because it just felt early on that there was a belief that this was something worth investing in. Of course, it's it's a risk. We don't know exactly where it's going to go. But having that, our leadership team really bought into it early on was key. And then as we grew, different stakeholder groups became more important to expanding the community. And we're still in the very early stages, but early on, that's what was was really critical for us. The whole give before getting, right? Give yeah. the community value before trying to get some value back. It's so important. For sure. I'm a big advocate for give to get being the core foundation to most any community, right? What can we, the organization do to give back to our most engaged customers or to all of our customers? The more we give, the more we'll get, but then to also set the expectation for those members of the community, like we want you to give here too, right? We want to give you value. And if you give us value, you'll also get something in return. And so I think that give to get mentality is something that goes both ways. I think it starts with your organization and your business and wanting to give back to your customers, but you create this nice kind of flywheel when you 
bring that mentality and integrate that mentality into every persona or every component of your community. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I also just think it's a good life, <laughs> a life yeah. uh, for any relationship, whether it's in business or in personal lives is, you know, it, it usually the karma kind of pays off and takes care of itself in my opinion. Yeah. I couldn't agree more there. So you talked a little bit about getting buy-in from your leadership team as once you had this kind of idea and feedback from your most engaged customers as to where you could really serve them. I imagine that at Guru, there's a lot of different other teams you work with outside of just your leadership team as you're thinking about serving the community. I think we'd love to hear about who you work with within Guru to support the growing community, to support the needs of them, and to ultimately help drive some of those outcomes. Absolutely. I think early phases, we work most closely with our CS team to help make sure, as I mentioned before, we kind of grew it slowly and deliberately. So we didn't open the floodgates and say, hey, our entire user base, come join the community. We really wanted to like test these different hypotheses we had, prove out the value, build some early engagement. So then we could, as we brought more people in, it was already had some definition behind it. And we had some conviction around what's valuable and how do we want to steer this? Because one of the challenging things with, with any community that I've found at least is that it can be steered in so many different directions to address so many different needs. It can be support deflection. It can be product feedback. It can be, like I mentioned, getting inspiration about how to best solve different problems, et cetera. It can be top of funnel acquisition. It can be content. There's a million different ways that it can go. And it's not that it just has to solve one, but from my perspective, it was important early on to, to kind of set a primary goal. And again, have that really clear balance of what's going to be value, most valuable for the community, what's going to be most valuable for the business. And for us early, it was how do we partner with the CS team so they can, as we're starting to add more people, they can help facilitate those. Hey, you guys should join the community. Hey, this is a good point to invite two other folks from your team. in. we just recently, earlier this spring, we kind of hit a point where we got to about uh, a little over 500 members and we had started on Slack as a free Slack community. I can go into the reasons for that, but we felt that that was the, the best move early on. But we also knew that we were going to outgrow that. It's not a community platform. It's not necessarily built for that, at least in our context. We knew we were going to have to move to something else eventually. And also our product team was really interested in better harnessing product feedback. We had it kind of flowing in through one channel, but it was a little bit unmanageable in terms of where that flew into another system and how they actually worked with that. And they it just wasn't set up for them engaging with customers the way they wanted to. So long story short, when we started evaluating and moving to another platform, which we launched in August, the product group, our product stakeholders became really, really important because we had a much bigger emphasis on product feedback as part of our community. So we needed to make sure that we were on the same page with our VP of product in terms of the strategy and how we'd actually implement that and how we'd manage feedback as it's coming in, et cetera, and also really start to work more closely with all of our product managers. So we're kind of incrementally working with different groups. Our technical support team plays a really big role as well right now in terms of helping to seed those conversations as we're seeing trends of, hey, what are customers kind of getting stuck on that we're seeing some signal through our technical support channel? How do we move some of those conversations into a more public forum in the community and make that a self-serve resource and also open up for different perspectives that customers can kind of share how they're tackling different challenges? So those are a couple of the different teams internally that we, that we work with really closely. Being a great facilitator to help all these different stakeholders help the community and the community help them. It goes back to the give get idea we talked about. What about um, numbers? I think 
anything in business, at the end of the day, the numbers matter. The numbers speak, the numbers tell stories. How have you used the power of quantifying the impact of community to help it keep growing, to help you get more funding? And just like, how do you define overall, like the shared success of this highly collaborative community at Guru? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's honestly something that I'm still in the process of building out very much. One of the big challenges I mentioned we were on Slack before is your ability to get analytics and actually work with that data is very, very limited. You can't do a whole lot with the free version of Slack from a data and analytics standpoint, which was one of the reasons that we wanted to move to another platform. So we just did that in August. We're literally three months in, but the great thing now is we can do that. Not only can we get all of the usage data, all the traffic data of coming into the community, but we can also pull that into our data warehouse and start to do some correlative analysis to say, okay, great. How does an active community member, for example, or a cohort of active community members, do we see higher product usage? Do we see those teams that those folks are part of? Do we see them expanding at a higher rate? Longer term, we'll be able to do some interesting analysis to see like, oh, do we see a higher retention rate? Those are some of the things that, again, I can't say that we have like all the dashboards perfectly built out where it's like an iterative process. We got the data point and now we're in the process of kind of building out the reporting. I wish I, <laughs> I think if, if we talk again in six to eight months, we'll be in a different place, but that's directionally where we're going. I would say at this stage, we're still really focused on, I guess, the inputs to that. If you're not actively growing the community and you're not seeing the engagement, I don't believe that you're going to see all the outputs that you want in terms of the thing that I mentioned in terms of product. So we've been focused dual tracking. How do we get the analytics infrastructure set up so that we can do the reporting that we want to do? And that's in motion, but also how do we continue building engagement? Because when you move to a new platform, even though we had a, a strong base of community members, it's it's a change. It's a change of behavior of going into Slack versus going into a different tool. So we've been really focused on, okay, how do we seed this thing with lots of great conversations? How do we build that behavior of coming to this new space and really get as much value from it? And simultaneously, how do we get that that analytics infrastructure set up so that we can start to really measure the impact. But I think the thing I'm excited about is we have a clear vision for what that's going to look like. And it's just going to take some time to, I think, get there and show that. But like I said, what's been really encouraging for me is, is seeing the community continue to grow through. And we've done a lot of things to nurture that and just seeing the engagement pick up. I have a high conviction that if we're doing that right and the types of conversations are, again, steered around getting that inspiration, all the things that I mentioned earlier around how to get the most value, I'm confident that we'll see those types of results. We're just, it's its a work in progress to kind of get all of that built out. And we're still kind of in the early stages. Yeah, the importance um, of taking the crawl, walk, run approach of like getting the numbers. Sure. Before we ask you the last question, I want to just double click on something really quick because it's, it's interesting. And I'm sure the people listening want to know, what made you move from Slack to another solution? And just kind of unpack that for us, please. Absolutely. So Slack is an amazing tool. Let me just say that right off the bat. I love Slack. We use Slack for work. I know Carly mentioned Pavilion is on Slack. I think the big distinction is the Slack will, if you look at any of the information put out by Slack, they will be the first ones to say, this is not designed as a community platform. It's for internal collaboration. I think if you can figure out in your business model how to leverage the paid version of Slack, one of the paid plans, that's a totally different conversation, right? Because that opens up all the capabilities that are that are some of the challenging parts about the free version in terms of scaling a community up, which is 
on the free version, you run out of after a certain point, you all the conversations start to vanish. So there's no like history of all the great content that's being put into the community that starts to disappear. It's not public, which is challenging for us. Again, it's different for every business, but for a lot of the conversations that we're having in our community, it's limiting to have it in a private space, meaning you have to log in to actually see what's going on. And the search is limited. We just started to kind of bump into those challenges. And I mentioned the product feedback piece. So it was the combination of all those things we really felt were kind of holding us back from growing the community and really delivering the most value as we could for the community members. And that's what catalyzed us to say, hey, let's look for a platform that can meet all of these needs, as well as all the product feedback management part that we were looking for. So that was the real catalyst for it. Again, there's a lot of communities on Slack, some that do really well, but I've talked to enough folks that are running on the free one that it's just like you bump into those constraints pretty quickly when your community grows. Yeah. I'm curious, what platform did you end up going with? We are hosted on Insided right now. We're at a point, I feel like, where there's so many good options out there. For us, it best met the needs of your kind of core, I would say, forum, for lack of a better term, your core conversation community features, as well as they've invested a lot in that feedback management part. And that's what really set them apart. So they've been a great partner to work with. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I love that decision was rooted in how do we provide value, right? Recognizing that Slack wasn't the place where you could provide the most value. You'd grown out of it, right? I'm sure it was great in the beginning, but that at the core of it, you want to deliver as much value to your community as possible. And that you made that decision to move and invest in a platform based on what aligned most with the value you want to deliver to your community members. Yeah. I talked to a lot of folks that grapple with that of like where to start. Mark, you mentioned like getting budget. The reason we went with Slack initially, I'll just say briefly, is not just because it was free, but we looked at our customer base and the majority of our customers were already on Slack. So I said, okay, if we're trying to build this behavior and test this new thing, and we have a place that they're already spending a lot of their time and we could test this concept out by literally being one click away in terms of access... That seems like the smart move and worth the trade-off of knowing that we might have to migrate eventually. Mm-hmm. But that was the rationale. So I don't have regrets from like starting there. I just wanted to share that because I've, I've seen a lot of discussions of like, where should we start? Do we have to you know, get $30,000 or $50,000 to invest in a platform? In some cases, that might be justified and that might make sense. But I'm a big believer if, if it is kind of like untested waters and you need, it's like, okay, well, what's a way that you can meet your customers or whoever your audience is where they are and test that out if you can do that quickly and without expending a ton of capital, then for me, that's a win. Yeah, I think it goes back to what Mark said before. It's that crawl, walk, run mentality, right? We're just crawling for now. Like, let's do what's going to, where we can meet our members the easiest and be able to kind of grow from there. So to wrap things up today, as Mark and I have started this podcast, we're exploring what community means to B2B businesses. It's, I would say, becoming more and more popular. I'm seeing more posts about it on LinkedIn and more people asking questions like you just said, where do I start? How do I do this? So as someone who's been building community now for a few years, we'd love to hear about some common misconceptions that you think live within community building and any advice you'd have within those misconceptions. Yeah, I'll throw out a couple that come to mind. I think one is that I see some community builders and companies take this mentality of like, oh, if we set it up, that it'll kind of take care of itself. If we put the infrastructure up there that and we send out some invites, like customers will find it and they'll engage with one another. And we don't need to put a lot of resources 
in terms of like managing, monitoring, et cetera, this like set it and forget it type of mentality or just under-resourcing it, depending again at your scale. And from my experience, you really do, especially in those early days, you need to nurture this thing. It's like a new plant. <laughs> you got to water it. You got to make sure the soil is fertile. You got to like care for it. And for me, what that looked like is I was spending a ton of time going in there and like starting conversations and responding to people. And of course I had a million other things I had to do with my job, but it was like, for me, that was important. It was time well spent. I was like connecting with our customers. And I think that is okay. And I guess somewhat that might like dovetail into another thing is like, I think a lot of times, especially in SaaS, we're always thinking about, is this scalable? Will this scale? And I think there's a time and place for that, but keep saying like early on in the community, I'm assuming a lot of folks are maybe at that stage it's okay to do things that don't scale. It's almost like better, I feel like, whether that's like getting on the phone with customers, whether that's spending more time directly talking with them in the discussion threads, wherever that is, like not everything has to scale early on. And in fact, it's it's sometimes like better to think in terms of like, okay, this is not going to scale. Eventually, of course, once things are like proven out, we're going to need to like figure out a way to automate that or figure out a way that this can work at scale a little bit more efficiently. But like, that's one for me that I've seen some I don't know, again, not sure if it's a huge misconception, but I've definitely seen some folks kind of going in in a weird direction there. I think sometimes there's expectations that you'll see the value of the community like immediately. And sometimes you will. Like sometimes, Mark, I was listening to a podcast, you were talking about the early stage of the Drift community. It sounded like there was already this massive audience and it sounded like folks were able to join the community and you probably could see the value really early on. I remember talking to years ago, the person who started the Tableau community, they were in a similar situation. It's like they had this massive customer base that were just like yearning to connect with one another. So they literally just like put up the forum and it was just like gangbusters. People were coming in there and I'm sure they were able to quickly measure the impact of that. My estimation is that those cases are probably not necessarily the rule. It's like, you're in a fortunate position if you have that situation. I think there's a lot of companies like I've experienced at Guru where it's like, yes, you have a passionate customer base. It's early stage and it's not this operating the tens of thousands or millions of people. So it does take a lot of energy to like get it moving, build those behaviors, et cetera. And that's okay. It's a long-term play. You're going to see those dividends kind of pay out over time. You need like the patience and the long-term vision and the commitment, I think, to see it through versus... If there was an expectation from the exec team of, okay, we're going to invest in community and we want to see these results in terms of increased product usage or in terms of increased sales within three months or even six months, I feel like you have to kind of really couch those expectations. Again, it's different for every company depending on your audience and what resources you have behind it. But it's, I guess the point I'm trying to make is it's a long-term investment from my view and you have to like see it that way and make decisions that are going to be good for the long-term for the community. That is the key. Community is a long-term investment. There's no point to, yep. to try to do something just for the short term. In most cases, I don't want to speak in an absolute type statement, but in but, the majority of community building from what I've seen, it requires a vision and a commitment that spans multiple years. And that's a whole other topic we can get into. We'll probably talk about it later, which is how does community building ultimately become a pillar to what the business is trying to become or grow into over the next three years or five years. I think a lot of community people, they don't make the connection between what they're doing from a community standpoint to how the business is trying to grow, sustain growth, scale growth. And that in many ways is a big miss. So that's one of my, I'll just throw one of my misconceptions is like you can treat community 
as a thing that can impact the business in a variety of ways, but you have to treat it as a strategic pillar to growing the brand and business. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. One other misconception that came to mind as you were talking is this notion that I've heard a lot in the community manager, community builder space of you can't really measure the business impact of it. It's too intangible. It's this feel good kind of thing, which I think I'm feeling positive because I think we're moving out of that as a body of professionals. But I very much I kind of hate that notion because I really think you can do that. If you're capturing the data, you can look at, okay, folks who are like finding value in it. And you can draw, of course, there's a million factors that go into whatever outcome you're measuring. But I think there's a real space for drawing that correlation and measuring that impact in a really meaningful way. That's just been a a misconception I think I've heard in the past. And I think we're starting to to shed that, which is good news. Great. Well, Chris, we can't thank you enough for your time today. I have a page full of notes that I'm excited to dissect with Mark. So many great insights And it's really impressive to see what you've done with Guru. The idea behind we're here to nurture our community. We're not here to push it. We're here to give back to it and to see where it takes us and learn from it and use that as Mark said, as ultimately becoming a pillar of our organization, I think is incredibly powerful. So I guess congratulations on doing such great work. It sounds like what you've done at Guru is pretty incredible and We're just, yeah, so grateful to have spent some time with you today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. We're at the early stages. It's exciting. It's like, we've got, we got some good foundation, but so much more to grow. So really value having this conversation and learning from both of you as well. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. Carly, what a great conversation with Chris. Like I said, my notebook is full of insights and I'm I'm excited to dive back into it and pull some more things out of what he said. Just, yeah, really happy we got to chat with him. To wrap it up then, we're going to end with the spark. The thing that Carly and myself feel is going to help you really ignite your community's growth and its success. So Carly, what was the spark for you during today's conversation? It was hard to narrow it down to one spark. That is for sure. But I would say the thing that is really kind of just still circling within my mind right now is this idea that when you are building a community, it's not about building it as fast as you can and trying to scale it as quickly as possible. It's about growing slowly and growing deliberately and doing that in parallel to defining what's valuable to your community members. So you grow slowly and you're always kind of taking that temperature of what is the value we're delivering and where are our members getting value and using that to continue to refine and grow and take those next steps in a very deliberate manner. I love that. It's actually similar to mine, which is do things that don't scale. Mm-hmm. And to your point, what you just said, it's, it's actually how you build a fire. If you think about a campfire, we're talking about sparks after all. You don't just build a gigantic campfire. You build it slowly and deliberately. It starts with one small thing. It's one small thing that actually probably is something around an activity or an engagement that doesn't scale. And my point of view is you got to keep doing those things throughout the evolution of your community. You have to keep Mm -hmm. doing small or big things by giving back to the community in ways that are not automated, that feel extremely authentic. Mm-hmm. And for me, what I've, I've done in the past is I would respond to like everyone who 
said something about HubSpot Academy or Drift on social. I would literally take the time to respond to almost every single person. I guess you could automate that, Carly, but to me, that's like really not a great experience. And I take that, you know, upon myself to say, look, if these people are going out and talking about something related to our brand, they deserve my attention and they deserve some type of response. And a lot of times those engagements turn into something a lot more than just a simple back and forth on Twitter or LinkedIn. So take the time and do some things that don't scale to continue to ignite your community growth. That is great. Love that. Folks, hope you enjoyed the episode today. Carly and I really thank you for giving it a listen. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Community Sense Podcast. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating or share the show with a friend. And don't forget to connect with us at communitysense.co.